Hello and welcome to Indie Incursion, an indie games podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week we're bringing you four awesome indie games news stories. Yes, it yes, is four. It, it is, is four. Yeah. I actually needed to check that time because I deleted one. Uh, but before I'd like, before we do that, <laughs> I'd like to introduce myself. I am Vaughn Hyde, one of the hosts of Indie Incursion, alongside my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average Josh Boys, back uh, in in cyberspace. I guess I don't know. You're yeah, not in the flex. Back, so. back in the net. I'm here, baby. So you were among the stars last week. You were doing something special. Yeah, I was going all over the place. I was basically drinking a bunch and then working a bunch. That's pretty much uh, yeah, what nice. happened. Went to a bachelor party in North Carolina and then uh, had to go to headquarters in California. Which, by the way, I fucking hate flying. God, is it awful. But have to do it, I guess, because I'm not taking a car. That would be the all worst. the way across country. That this would be sounds fantastic. The worst. Yeah, I was talking to like my boss about it. He's like, "So are you like really scared like of coming?" And I was like, "Well, I'm. It's mildly discomforting, and I kind of panic a little bit. But like, it's not enough of a debilitation thing where I'm going to be like, I need to drive for hours on end to get here instead. Like, it's not worth it." <laughs> I've honestly realized within the past like couple weeks that I'm actually afraid of a lot of things. Yeah, like uh, bears, like a uh, a freakish. Oh yeah, I'm definitely afraid of bears, dude. No joke. Like I don't know. Like <laughs> I say that all the time as a joke, but I feel like if I ever saw a bear, that would just be the it. Like oh uh, yeah, there's no coming back my pants. From a bear. Yeah, exactly. And then so, he would smell yeah, the they shit. Say, and he would know exactly. He would know. They say with bears that you should like crawl in a ball and well, like shit yourself no, or something. No, because it's like there's the black bear and the brown bear and like both of them and, and what's even more annoying is like the brown bear can technically have like black fur or something, but it's like one is slightly bigger and like a little bit different in the arch of the bear. But like the way you combat <laughs> those bears are totally different. Like one hates it when you like get up and get big sprawled out and like yell because it'll get dumb and be like oh it's bigger than me and run away and the other like totally will not do that and will fucking just attack you if you try (laughs) that shit so one is an alpha male and the other has body dysmorphia i guess i don't know that's just like the basics that i've seen but it's like i don't know enough and i'm not gonna remember it in the time of seeing a bear where i feel like it's gonna be useful where i'm gonna be like let me search the databanks here in my brain i'm just gonna take a a quick second while this bear is facing me to decide whether i curl into a ball and die or try to attack it dude bears are absolutely terrifying like i've heard stories of people basically like blasting bears with shotguns several times and it's still eating people i'm like what the fuck they're they're crazy they're like nature's tanks what's happening (laughs) pretty much like it seems like a rhino can go down in one shot but a bear is just like hey i'll just go fuck myself like why am i even alive on this planet you are obviously meant to inherit it Mm. from the dinosaurs so wow that's a pretty uh pretty intelligent bear (laughs) Yeah, obviously. Have you ever seen Yogi Bear? He's always stealing shit from people. That's true. What a jerk. He's a conniving little bitch, dude. I know. Him and that damn boo-boo. I'm going to be honest. I've never seen that show before. What? I always oh just saw it. Yeah. Goodness. I, I honestly, I really, it just does not look appealing at all. But it's not I always see the cartoons <laughs> like for Boomerang and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Or not the cartoons, the advertisements the... for Boomerang with Yogi Bear in it. Uh, like, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how that would sell anybody. No, nah, it doesn't matter. Uh, I don't know. I don't really care too much about it. 
I just like the fact I, I like the the one saying of just like stealing the picnic baskets. Yeah, I will admit that that's probably my favorite thing about Yogi Bear is the picnic basket. <laughs> it's the best thing to come out of. Best. Uh, out anyway, of I totally yeah. derailed you. So let's talk about your other fears, shall we? Uh, I mean, I, it wasn't really a story. I was just saying, dude, I'm scared of a lot of <laughs> shit. And my, my fiance okay. asked me if I wanted to watch Midsummer, and I kind of just came to this conclusion that I'm scared of so many things in life that why the fuck would I watch horror movies? Like, ah. I'm why would I watch? Why would I like willingly subject myself? to just adding a new phobia to my repertoire, like my collection of weird-ass phobias. So, And she's like, oh, it's like a cult. And I'm like, exactly. That could happen in real life. I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't have any issues with horror movies that are supernatural because I'm not scared of, a, like, an extra-dimensional clown that is going to eat my babies or something. Like, that's just... It's not going to happen, or at least I don't think it'll happen, you know? <laughs> I mean... Never say never. Exactly what I was thinking. Because with my luck, Pennywise would just crawl out my ass right now. So you never know. But disgusting. <laughs> I don't. Know, he could shape shift into like anything. I guess that's true. He could be something weird. But stuff like uh, Tusk, the Human Centipede. Um, oh, the Human Centipede like, was such a terrible movie. Oh, it's <laughs> so bad. But I actually, I'm gonna be honest. I have referenced the Human Centipede in the last three episodes that we've now posted. <laughs> <laughs> it just never stops, I guess. Yeah, I brought it up in the interview with Alex Kissy Jr. when I talked about me being afraid somebody was gonna steal my kneecaps. Then I brought it up sure. in the next episode, talking about that instance, and now I brought it up because that just that that movie freaks me out. I don't want to be permanently asked to mouth to somebody. I know. Oh man, what a weird movie. There's a uh, there's a lot of strange things out there. Anyway, uh, glad to be back. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you? I mean, you did so much traveling. Did you actually get to play any games or watch any good shows while you were gone? Yeah, actually, I did. Uh, I have a bunch of games that i've been playing one just because the switch really helps out with that and two because when i got back i didn't play much other than those few switch games and then i was just like oh let me just dive into as much as i can right now because uh coming up pretty soon i have a lot of big projects for work and i'm also uh my classes just started again so like this time starting like in the next couple of weeks is going to be very very hectic so i'm trying to jam pack as much games as i can right now um so what i what i started with what i'll talk first is um i played and my review was actually up on parallax uh the untitled goose game man what a funny game that is i don't it's so like it's such a good game in the fact that it's like so pointless it's there's really like you just go as a goose and you just you're just a jerk. That's all it is. Like, and that's all they advertised it as, but like, that's what it is. You just get this checklist. You like walk from place to place. You jump in and there's a few people. They'll give you a little notebook with things to basically do of like, steal this thing, make someone break something, uh, basically attack this one kid and make him run into a phone booth and like trap himself in there. Like, it's just so ridiculous and so... At the same time of being mean, like, harmless in the fact that it's just, like, you're just a cute goose just being a jerk. Like, it's whatever. I don't know. 
It was just it's it's not a very long game, which I thought was good. Yeah, it's only like a couple hours. It's only right? a couple hours, yeah. Which some people were saying like that was a bad thing, um, but I I feel like it it wasn't. I, I think it was just the right amount. I feel like as I was getting farther into it, I was already feeling a little bit of fatigue in the fact that like there's really not much to the structure of the game other than go be a dick in one area and then go be a dick in the next, which has its obvious interest because it's just a new type of thing really because I don't think there's ever been a game that's kind of like this where you're just this weird animal that messes with people and and I mean there have been some I'm sure but like this one kind of swept the nation for some reason um but regardless it seems like everybody's playing Untitled Goose yeah I mean it's a good game it really is like there's there's a lot of fun to be had but I think it was the right amount of length to it and there's also additional things you can do at the end like once you beat the game or roll credits they'll give you like oh go back and try to do this all like uh, basically time trial version of certain things try to uh, do extra things to piss people off like they give you a little bit more one of like my gripes with that was that I had already been to that area and I already done that like I, I wish they would have just kept that all in from the start so i could have been like oh i want to take my time in this area and live through it rather than getting through and then be like oh do you want to play it again because for some reason i just have this weird mental state where like once i beat a game unless like there's something really pulling me in i'm usually just going to be like well that was great i'm done i've had fun like and so i kind of had that at the end of the game where i'm like I don't really want to go back and go to the same places now that I've already kind of progressed through the story. Like I wish it was just one big package. Um, but that being said, the content is still there. There's still a good amount. Like even though it's only a couple hours, I definitely think it's still worth it. Yeah. I'm kind of a creature of habit. I just constantly return to the same watering holes, um, Mm, that just feed me joy. We'll talk about that a little bit later because I'm, really on a world of warcraft kick right now but yeah this trend of just kind of absurd and weird games coming out like uh donut county untitled goose game what the golf yeah that's like that's which is actually my second game i wanted to talk about is well, there you go go for it i literally sat down just uh in two nights i sat down uh i got the game from courtesy of pop agenda which shout out to them they're awesome um and i started playing it And I literally just, I was like, oh, and I was playing another game, which I'll talk a little bit about, but I was playing another game and I wanted to keep going through it. And I started playing with the golf because I was like, well, let me just try it now that I got the code for it. Literally sat down and I was like, I have to beat this game. Like I have to just keep playing. I got so stuck in it and it's so amazing. This like so far, I think this is my game of the year, like hands down. It is so stupid, but in a grand way like the, the okay so what is the rough pitch for what the golf because i know that it's a golf game for people who don't like golf I, that's so that, i mean that doesn't do much for me <laughs> i don't understand the tagline is really funny because it's it's true it's a golf game for people that don't like golf because it's not golf at all the golf mechanics in this game are very very basic they start out the same as any golf game you're basically getting one object to another area like one object from one location to another location and you're doing that in essential power strokes meaning you're you know based on how much strength you want to hit something you're pushing it forward or doing some type of action 
right? That's the general way that you would play golf. Now that's about where it stops. Um, everything else is totally thrown out the window from a golf game that you would conceptualize. And it starts right away by being super weird. And it, before you even start playing, it gives you these little like tutorials of like, Oh, try to hit a ball into the the goal. And it's not even hitting it into the hole. It's usually hitting the flag instead, but it, it's basically like you have that power indicator. And then all of a sudden you'll do things like you'll throw the golf club instead. And you, instead of you playing as the ball, you now play as the golf club. And you, every time you do like a power stroke, the golf club will fly into a different area or you'll do it. And the guy that you're actually like the golfer will fling himself at the, the goalpost and you'll have to fling him through different obstacles and things to get to that end flag. And then to top, like (laughs) to make it even weirder halfway through the game, they start saying, you know what? Let's stop being a golf game from the general perspective and let's start just using other games and making them, taking those games and putting them into this world. Um, this is a little bit of spoilery, um, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, I don't think anybody's looking forward to the narrative they, of what the golf. They basically put, and this is what like was so nuts to me, there's a Mario, a Portal, a Super Hot, a um super meat boy a frogger a uh uh simon says like there's so many different weird elements that they make you play in the game like there's a super meat boy one where you're the you're the oh there's a a flappy birds one um there's basically like super meat boy where you have your power stroke where you'll hit and your character will jump forward a certain way and there's like saws and different areas that you have to stick to and then bounce off that wall and it becomes like a platformer out of nowhere so they keep changing the genre they also had like a first person shooter portion of the game and they were like golf in first person and it was like this game is just nuts it makes no sense but in such a good way. And I recommend everyone to play it because it's literally like five. I, I think I did it in less than five hours, but I didn't complete all of the challenges because y- you can do like a number. Every level has like two other additional uh, challenge modes to it, which I didn't complete all of them. I ended up completing, I think it said 81% of the game at the end of it. Um, but I did that in less than five hours to do the full thing. It would probably take like five to seven um, but it's it's a relatively short but still a very meaty amount of content and there's just so much homage to other games and so much just goofy and wacky silly elements to it that it it really just thrives on being such a great game that has literally nothing to do with golf. So how much are like what the golf and Untitled Goose game? Oh, you might not know because you, I, you got what the golf from Pop Agenda, right? Yeah, I got what the golf from Pop Agenda. Uh, so I'm not sure, uh, but I can look that up really quick. Um, as far as Untitled Goose Game, that was about 20-something dollars. Mm, see, that's where the value proposition comes <clears throat> in. Because I heard on NVC they were talking about, and that's Nintendo Voice Chat, by the way. Mm-hmm. IGN's Nintendo Podcast. But um, they were talking about the kind of value proposition when people hear like one to two hours, whatever, three hours of gameplay uh, in a titled Goose game that it's it's like, I don't know, it's kind of 
disconcerting. It, it, like uh, games nowadays have to be like hundred hour experiences that are not worth the money. And mm. something like this being twenty dollars, people might shy from. But would you say that you got your kind of like twenty dollars worth within Untitled Goose Game? I think I got my money's worth for Untitled Goose Game. And to give reference, what the golf is a twenty dollar title as well. So they're both roughly around the same area. I think so personally I think that even though there is some argument to like oh there's more amount of content I would argue that the quality of content is what's important in a lot of these cases and I feel like with Untitled Goose Game there's a lot of love and real like just work that's put into it on the way they had all these elements these different scenarios built out the same way with what the golf with how strange and just interesting they made this game of so different that i feel like these are price points that are worth it i'd rather have personally a game that is twenty dollars and might be less of my time but something that i have more fun with as opposed to something that just has you know a giant open world that has lots of content but i might not enjoy every minute the same way I would in these games. So it, it really depends. I think there's quality in there and it's worth the money. That being said, once again, what the golf I got for free. Um, but I would say that it's worth the money for the value that it brings in the amount of time that you're playing. And some people will argue like, oh, it needs to be a hundred hours. But like at the same time, if you go to the movies, you'll pay $20 to have two people go to a movies. And that's like, an hour or two of your time so it's roughly around the same thing if not yeah but you then know, i get better. to watch john wick just throw knives for absolutely no reason and it's like psh, it's fantastic dude you know not the same <laughs> i haven't seen john wick three there's literally a section of it where he just like they just sit there and throw knives it's the longest fucking scene ever <laughs> it just never ends i swear to god it's like five minutes of just them breaking in to different like shelves full of knives they're just like randomly in this place with a shitload of knives and they're just taking knives and throwing at each other i don't understand that's pretty nuts i don't know personally like i said i think it's worth it but to each his own and obviously if it doesn't sound like something that you're gonna love don't get it and just wait for it to go on sale later um but this was like both what the golf was kind of one of those sleeper things where I was like, oh, this looks really interesting. And I'm glad Pop Agenda gave it to me because I probably wouldn't have gone out of my way to get it. Um, but if I had known how much fun I would have had, I definitely would have. But Untitled Goose Game was one of those games where like I knew no matter what I was going to pick it up at, you know, the the release date of it. But there's some people who, you know, if, if being a jerk of a goose and stealing keys from a farmer doesn't sound appealing to you. Uh, just wait until it goes on sale. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there have been some fantastic indie game sales recently. Last week, we talked about some, uh, like a bunch of them, Overcooked and such, going on sale. This week, we've got some sale stuff to talk about. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Have you played any other games this week other than those two? I'll talk about one more pretty quick. Uh, so, it's... God, what is the full title? It's called Stygian. Uh what the fuck it's so while i'm looking for the actual title uh it's basically another type of cthulhu-esque game where it's like this lovecraftian world um and it was essentially this kind of stygian reign of the old yes there you go stygian reign of the old ones it's kind of this like 
mix between a point and click adventure game and an RPG. Um, and so what I mean by that is it is very heavily on point and click. You click where you want to go. You look at ele like elements, right click to interact with them and do different things based on the objects you have, based on the, the different variables you have. Um, but it is very old school RPG elements of like something you would see in a Fallout game where you can put points into like charisma and, and basically talk your way out of things rather than always fighting. Um, which is great because honestly, one of my biggest like things that I hate about this game is just the combat is awful, but the actual story to it and the mechanics of going through and trying to essentially talk my way out of things and just go through and find clever ways to get around areas is really good. And I, I found it to be a lot of fun. I was having a good amount of fun with it in the general sense of like, I want to finish it. But I just recently found out, I was looking into it, it's apparently not like 100% finished as a game because the developers kind of ran out of money and had to release it anyway. And so some people have been saying the ending is kind of lackluster. I haven't gotten to that part yet though, so I can't really comment on it. I just thought it was a little strange. Um, but we'll have to see. The community at least seemed to be kind of like lopsided on that of being like, oh, it's still a good game for what it is. And then there's some people who are like, no, this sucks you know what are you doing like give us the ending um but the developers seem to be still wholeheartedly in it they're you know going through and writing community posts and fixing bugs and trying to change things and make the game better so there's probably hope that it will change into something but for right now for what it is and for how far i've gotten it's actually not been too bad it's a little confusing honestly it's not very uh user friendly from a standpoint of like just starting the game. So you kind of have to just figure things out, which is fine because that's generally that kind of style of game when you're playing those old like point and click or old school RPGs. So it wasn't a bad thing, but I definitely felt very confused at first because there's like this whole concept of experience points, but also angst points, which are like negative experience. And every time you fight, you not only get experience, but also negative experience. So it's like, it pushes you to really not ever fight and to try and like sneak and talk your way out of it. So I think that's kind of a weird structure for the game. Um, it, it's good for my play sense because I generally will play games like that without trying to go super combat mode. Um, but it's just, it's one of those games where you're like, you're kind of set up for failure and you're supposed to like end up going kind of insane. Like you can get mania and like other weird kind of mental disorders while you're there you have this whole like other sleep realm when you rest at campfires where things can attack you it's it's a very strange game um but i'm having a good time with it it's just what the golf totally derailed me from that <laughs> i don't know much about like hp lovecraft stories or anything but why is it that every single game that comes out that's set in them is set in like the 20s is, does everything just end I, after that? I'm not too sure. I think it's just because those stories were all back in that time, so people are just sticking to that era. I don't really know. To be honest, this was one of my first like Lovecraftian type of games that I jumped into, because usually I have no appeal with this, but this one was 
interesting where it it had a lot of the same kind of flavor that you've seen in many of the other Lovecraft kind of worlds that are coming out. Uh, I forget the one that recently came out. It was like Into the Deep or something. Um, uh, the Sinking City. The Sinking City. Yep, yeah, that's exactly it. So the whole concept of like, oh, I'm in this town and for some reason there's weird stuff in this town and no one knows why it happened or like why we're here. So it's like, it's that same kind of concept of Lovecraftian just being kind of strange and just being like, well, what the hell's going on? Weird demons. So, and obviously that's a terrible way to put it, but I just, I'm ignorant to the concept of Lovecraft. So whatever. It's just so freaking weird. Every (laughs) single one of them. It's like, they've always got a Tommy gun and shit. I'm like, oh my God, does time just end? Like what? Does Cthulhu just come out and eat the universe? Cthulhu lives in that time period and no other time period apparently i don't get it literally everyone it's like probably the least creative idea you could do now because it's like oh i want to do hp lovecraft oh so it's in the 20s i guess that's cool just driving around in jalopies (laughs) i don't know i i think it's a fun game but i haven't gotten to the end where apparently it just kind of falls off i don't know yet i'll try to there's a 50 year time skip and then you're like boom boom present day Maybe. We'll see. Maybe that's how it ends. I don't know. <laughs> Spoilers, maybe? It does maybe? look pretty interesting, though. I, I was checking out some of the uh, just some of the video content on it. The gameplay itself, I'm going to be honest, does look super boring, which I makes sense. It seems like the story is pretty good. It has like really good critical reviews, but has mixed <clears throat> reviews on Steam, Yeah, which kind of sucks. Like one of them saying that it was a bug fest. Yeah, that's, I mean, I haven't really run into that, but I think um, what they're talking about is there's a lot of bugs with combat, but I generally think the combat is just not really that great. So I kind of avoided it and found other ways like that's one of the things i liked about that game is they they do harp on there should be like a way to get around things in just like almost every obstacle that you find where you don't have to fight people like i could have walked into this one camp and i was attacked by a bunch like i basically went to this camp of a bunch of gangsters and they were like hey what are you doing here and i was just like i have to go talk to someone and they're like no you're gonna die and i was like do you want some money and they're like okay and then i walked back talked to the guy and then poisoned all of them so i got my money back <laughs> so you know like there's ways to get around it <laughs> so the standard rpg trope of like you having to pay something and you're just like i'm just gonna kill that guy and take my money back i'm just not even worried about it yeah i did that shit in skyrim all the time <laughs> i mean it's not it wasn't exact like i didn't didn't get that money back but all of them had enough money on them where i got it back anyway it wasn't like my money it was just this collective group of money that it all added up to basically break even anyway, so it works out in the end. Yeah, in-game economies are kind of weird. Speaking of in-game economies, I've been playing a lot of World of Warcraft, dude. I know. Yeah. I keep seeing it. Uh, yeah, I forgot that in Discord you can see what I'm playing. I know. But you can I'm hide not playing... that. Uh, can I? Yeah, I mean, I might as well just boast that I'm playing World of Warcraft. I mean, you know? Try to get everybody else into it. You want to play some World of Warcraft? God, no. I have another friend who's really harping on me to, to play it, and I'm like, no, thank you. I'm not going to get into this. I'm not playing classic really anymore just because I'm going to be honest, hunters get really shivved. It's just, it's outrageous. Like I have to not only like 
feed myself but also feed my pet and then i have to spend money on my pet's abilities as well as my own abilities i lose bag space because i have to use uh i have to have like a quiver and then i have to fill the quiver which means i have to spend more money it's just total bullshit it's like none other class has to do with all this shit so sounds terrible yeah i mean they might balance it to where their abilities cost more than hunter abilities but I wouldn't even know. So I hopped into retail World of Warcraft. I've been playing quite a bit of it. I'm really enjoying it. Have a night elf hunter just running around with my cat that I call named Ikatsuki because mm-hmm. I had to put a Log Horizon reference into it. You don't know that, but that's a Log Horizon I reference, don't. by the way. That's a great one. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been playing some World of Warcraft, watching some different anime. I uh, started rewatching Gurren Lagann. I watched through the entirety of Violet Evergarden, which I'm assuming you don't know what either of these are either, but no, not pretty really. fantastic anime. But I'm here for it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you're here for me. I also bought uh, <laughs> Destiny 2 Shadowkeep yesterday. Literally have not been able to play it at all, but Damn. I'm very excited to hop into it. Yeah, I wish I was a... Uh, it's one of those games, Destiny, where I feel like I would have liked it, but I just didn't get in at the time when it was, like, just first starting, and it was one of those, eh, it's too far now. I'm not, I'm not getting into it. Yeah, I was a big fan of Destiny 1. I played basically religiously uh, up until, like, midway through the Taken King. Um... And then kind of dropped off. Barely. I pretty much just played the campaign of Rise of Iron. And then when Destiny 2 came out, I was like, all right, I'm going to get back into this. I had a group of friends we were going to play with. Um, I played through that a decent amount and just never really got super back into it. Played. Uh, I played through each one of the stories and... I thought they were good. Like, I liked the standard story of Destiny 2. Curse of Osiris was kind of meh. I really mm-hmm. like Osiris as a character. I think he's really, really cool, and his ghost is awesome. And Warmind was just like, uh, you finally got to see what a worm god looked like, which that might sound weird, but in Destiny lore, like, worm gods are really fucking cool, and just, like, hive worms are really cool, so you finally get to see what one looks like. Uh, I guess you could argue that you could see what one looks like uh, like on Titan if you subscribe to that theory, but have you have no, no idea what I'm talking idea about. I what you're yeah. talking about. I am so lost. It's kind of weird. In, like, in destiny lore there's a faction called the hive and they get a lot of their powers by basically like this this like symbiotic relationship with a worm that lives inside of them but the worm is constantly consuming like seemingly the negative energy of things as far as i know so you have to Hmm. like the hive has to constantly kill and kill and kill otherwise the worm kills them so Uh. the more powerful you get the larger your worm gets and in uh yeah it's a little weird and in uh destiny 2 the taken king in the king's fall raid you basically just wipe the floor with oryx the taken king and he falls like into space for some reason it's kind of weird like you'd assume his his uh his freaking like ship had windows but I guess not like he just falls into space but then supposedly his body uh the the theory is his body falls to titan and then uh 
it like his worm kind of just comes out and starts swimming in the ocean because at one point in time if you wait during a quest you can actually see this like huge fucking creature just like swim by and it just flows by so people think it's oryx's worm but Hmm. yeah Weird, weird stuff going on in Destiny. Yeah, yeah. But Mm -hmm. I I got back in during Forsaken. Really, really enjoyed it. Big fan of Cade 6, which sucks for me because, spoiler alert, he fucking dies. Uh, I mean, (laughs) all of the marketing material said that he died. Literally, the picture for marketing material is you holding his dead body. So I don't feel that bad about saying it. But, yeah, Shadowkeep looks pretty interesting. I'm going to be honest. I I I'm not excited to go back to the moon. I think the gear based on the hive is pretty fucking dumb. Like I don't like the hive as a faction. I like their lore, but as a faction I'm like, nah. They're stupid. Like <laughs> they just look like ghostly people. It's basically like how do you make zombies but not make zombies? It's the mm. hive. That's I mean they also use weird ass like abilities. That's where the weird the like the wizard came from the moon thing came from Mm -hmm. it's yeah it's the hive so yeah i'm gonna get back into destiny 2 i'm excited john and i might play a little bit i know i saw that yeah yeah Yeah. but that's pretty much all i did this week not a whole lot going on in my life other than last week i reported the uh, podcast by myself and that was i'm gonna be honest i'm so proud of you yeah, yeah. I mean, you shouldn't be because I only did 30 minutes. You really hold me back time-wise, dude. Wow. I'm Damn. definitely just going to I'm gonna blame it on you. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I did just fucking rant for like a long time about those games. But It's cool. I just talked about fucking worms. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, some people might find it interesting. I just don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> I, I would recommend, if you want to get into the story and lore of Destiny, my name is Bife. Just put out like a four hour long video about the story of destiny up until now jesus i haven't watched it yet but i'm really excited to i probably know the majority of the information already but seriously destiny's lore gets to like it goes to my core i fucking <laughs> love destiny's lore i don't know why it's just so cool yeah i don't think i'll ever get into it and i feel like this whole conversation like i've always kind of been on the fence i feel like this really solidified me not wanting to get into it just because of how lost i was and being like this just sounds like work I mean, if you don't want to look at the lore, you don't have to. It's just like, okay, cool. I'm blasting away these like freaking mummy-looking people. Mm. That's all you need to know. That's what the hive look like. They look like mummies. My favorite enemies, the fallen. I really like them. They have multiple arms. Can you trip them? They're... No, sadly you can't. What's the point? Um, They're not falling. They sometimes fall down, oh, okay. I guess. I'll allow it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they fall down dead when you shoot them in the head. Well, That's cool. Yeah, but most people do that. Everyone would be the fallen then. That's a good point. That's a good point. Speaking of falling down, our first news story of the day, because hmm. we actually have to talk about the news at some point in time. Eventually. Uh, is on IG and it is written by Matt Kim and it is here's what Untitled Goose Game was almost called. House House's Untitled Goose Game not having a title is such a big part of the brand that it's hard uh, to believe that there was a title being considered for the game at all. But IGN has learned that one title may have been the uh, slimmest and may have had the slimmest chance of becoming the name for the Indie Goose Stealth Sim. Uh, we really did intend to come up with something House House developer Stuart, and I don't know how to say this dude's name, uh, <laughs> Gillespie Cook, maybe. <laughs> 
He's got a cool name, but I don't know how to say it. Uh, he told them over an email. Uh, we'd always just called it Goose Game internally, but when we had to update or upload footage uh, of it for a festival, we wanted to make it clear that it wasn't the final name. So we put up, uh, so we put it up as Untitled Goose Game. We didn't intend for that to be the name of the game, but it really stuck, and we never found anything we liked more. <laughs> Uh, it's not like House House was desperate, it was in desperate need of inspiration for the title either. We've had too many suggestions from fans over the years. Metal Goose Solid, Hawks Gone honkers gone bonkers that's my goose favorite. on the loose that was pretty good uh wild goose chase duck duck goose etc house house developer jake strasser revealed the jokes write themselves but ultimately uh, the only title we ever remotely considered was some like it honk <laughs> So because we thought it was funny, but I don't think we ever seriously considered using it. Untitled Goose Game just had such a nice ring to it. Uh, funny enough, Untitled Goose Game apparently does have a subtitle, but only in Japan, according to the translation. Untitled Goose Game is subtitled, Here Comes the Mischievous Goose, I, which is accurate. I, <laughs> yeah, honestly, I kind of... I kind of feel that would have fit if they just had that as the name. Like, I, I Here really Comes like the Mischievous Mischievous Mischie- Goose? Yeah. That's pretty good. I also wonder, like, why that matters in Japan that it needed a name. Uh, I also wonder, like, what reference uh, this "some like it honk" is. I'm, I might just be being real dumb, but I don't, I don't understand the reference. Some like it hot. Okay, that I that am I supposed to know what that is? I mean, I think I it's assumed the same. that it was some like it hot, but I have absolutely no idea what that means. Yeah, some like it hot. It's a it's a song, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. Some That's like, why I'm asking you. Something Like It Hot uh, is a 1959 movie. Uh, after witnessing a mafia murder, um, plan to escape from Chicago with their lives. Yeah, I don't know. Something Like It Hot. <laughs> that name is Dick. I would have rather gone with Honkers Gone Bonkers. Honkers Gone Bonkers that... is pretty legit. I'm not going to lie. Sadly, that does sound like a titty game. Well, yeah, I mean, but that might get you a few people on. We saw how well fucking, what the hell was the name? Subverse? Was that the name of that crazy titty game? Yes. Yeah, we saw how well Subverse did. Maybe if someone just thought it was. Yeah, but that actually had titties in it. (laughs) Yeah, but people people can sometimes be dumb and not really research it and just see honkers go bonkers and be like, They're like, at one point in time, this goose must get laid. It just has to at this point. With a name like that. I mean, it's kind of true. <laughs> All righty. Uh, time to move on to some interesting news. Ooh. This is over on Nintendo Life. It is written by Liam Doolin, and it is Australia's national film and sound archive to preserve locally made games. So, to preface this, I would like to ask you what exactly it means to archive something. Does it just mean that they, like, downloaded it and put it on a USB drive or something? I I don't think I'm understanding what exactly they're doing by archiving these things. I mean, I would assume that the concept is storage-related of somehow, and I, I don't know the rules that go into this as far as what they do to preserve, like, because they're specifically for film and movies, but I assume that it would be somehow backing up those films, or in this case, these documents, and that just means probably 
having them in storage somewhere where people can't really touch them, uh, as well as uh, reporting them and getting a digital copy of them and backing them up somewhere. Um, but I'm not really too sure. In this case, since this is a lot of, because they're by archiving, they're saying they did, um, where was it? There was something about just the music and the actual like storyboarding for this or something like that. Like, I don't know if they're actually archiving the game, but the actual contents itself. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I guess I should probably read the article. Yeah, for let's go into the verification. article. Uh, now that the digital age has arrived, video game preservation is arguably more important than ever. Fortunately, steps are slowly being taken around the world to ensure this industry's rich history lives on for the benefit of future generations. Down under, I don't know why it's called down under. If I'm being honest, either. Like, I might just be dumb. I also didn't know that Australia was, like, created by criminals, basically. <laughs> that it was, like, it was a prison island. I didn't know that. Hmm. I didn't know that either. But... It's weird, dude. Australia's down under is just because it's, like, lower on the the globe from a certain perspective. I don't know. Such a great reason. All right. Down under the National Film and Sound Archive of Australia has announced it will be uh, it will begin to archive locally made games, including the storyboards, artwork and soundtracks associated with each one. There you go. That's where that said it. Uh, MFSA chief. <clears throat> I don't know why I'm. I'm like totally spacing out right now. Executive <laughs> Jan Mueller explained how locally made games would join a collect a collection already made up of more than three million items, and stated how it was it would be impossible to represent modern life without video games. Uh, and this, I'm assuming, is a quote or something uh the collection represents the cultural diversity and breadth of experience of all australians and it is constantly evolving just like our creative industries we aim to be the national leader in collecting multimedia and new media content and it would be uh and it would be impossible to accurately represent modern life without games it is essential that games be collected alongside other uh audiovisual media to ensure their uh, continued preservation and access. The eight games are a mix of modern and classic releases, including titles from the 80s to the most recent uh, hits like Team Cherry's Hollow Knight. Whoop, whoop. Hollow Knight, dude. <laughs> Save for the ages. Uh, the So the list goes like this. We've got The Hobbit by Beam, Studio, Beam Software, Halloween Harry by Interactive Binary Illusions, Shadowrun by Beam Software. Dude, Beam Software on here twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems like uh, this Australian company might have some, I don't know, some stock in Beam Software, you know? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, L.A. Noir by Team Bondi, Submerged by Apricot Games, Hollow Knight by Team Cherry, Florence by Mountains, and Aspire One VR (laughs) Operative by Digital Load. So, (laughs) I don't know why Digital Load is so weird. Excuse me, it's just such a strange. Anyway, (laughs) just the word load, I think, is kind of. It has a certain connotation now. A little bit. A little bit. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm a child. (laughs) 
Uh, I'm super excited that Hollow Knight is uh, is in this. I'm also pretty stoked that Florence is. I didn't know that Florence was actually made like in Australia. I didn't know that that's where the team was based. But see, huh. this is where this is where I don't understand how like what exactly they're doing to archive these the games themselves are they just taking like a digital copy or are they getting physical copies because florence specifically is only on phones Mm -hmm. so what are they doing or do they just have like i don't know like an iphone that they just like put there yeah maybe because well because this is a weird like that's kind of the whole problem is games is like a whole separate thing that's very new in the concept of trying to preserve these because with film i'm just looking it up right now film is generally the concept that you would think of basically trying to duplicate the actual film trying to store it in a safe and well uh climated area so somewhere that it won't decay for whatever um and then from a digital perspective also backing it up and to take like the full quality of that movie and then have a second copy of it. So in this case, I assume what a video game, you know, preservation would do is they would find some way to either back it up on a file that you could then put on another device, uh, which makes more sense for things like Hollow Knight since it's already something that can go from PC to PC. If it's in the case of Florence, it's probably that they have literally a phone that has to stay preserved kind of just you know in it's like in a ziploc bag yeah something like that that <laughs> has florence on it i'm sure they have some kind of like they probably reach out to the developers to actually get a kit of what content is on the phone so they have that on a usb as well to transfer over somewhere um and then for physical copies yeah i would assume if they had that they would just put it in the same kind of storage unit to be housed somewhere um I don't really know. I think it's an interesting concept, but I don't know what more you'd be able to do other than keep a device with that on there. Either way, I'm really glad that they're archiving these just for for future use. Um, I see in the comments down here that like people are like, "Oh, you you should do this," or some are hoping that Untitled Goose Game is included in the future, yeah. which also didn't know that that was in Australia, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that people are really taking the initiative uh when it comes to preserving games, especially as we like come into this digital age like he says in the beginning of this. So That's true. I'm I just... I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I really want to go to that like video game museum whatever that's I forget where it is, but there's one that's just like a shitload of classic like games hmm. and their whole idea behind it is just to I don't know. I think it's just to teach like future generations about video games in general. Yeah. You know, I was kind of thinking about that the other day is I was like, I was playing a bunch of Mario games recently because of like the, the SNES classic. And I was thinking about it and I was like, man, there's so many kids who just aren't going to understand these games and like why they were so great and are going to basically in most cases, look at them and just be like, ugh what is this (laughs) like it's just such a different time and the mechanics were obviously very sharp back then and still hold up today whereas some obviously don't but like there's a lot of people who just aren't going to understand the same things that we did from back when we were growing up which still blows my mind it's the same with like cartoons and tv shows and things like that and how i feel like that's why nostalgia is becoming such a big thing now because 
we're in an era where we're trying to just reboot everything from our past, but I don't know. It's, it's definitely an interesting step. I think it's needed because there's a lot of things that will just kind of become obsolete if we don't take these steps with games. Um, but Jesus, what a friggin' list. So random what was chosen. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what their criteria was. It was it was it just hey, it's in Australia. Like did they did they narrow it down in any other way I have no to get idea. those games? Are these like, the only make... Australian games out there? <laughs> I'm assuming no, because apparently there's untitled Goose Game and many <laughs> others that people in those comments think that they should include. But yeah. it's just kind of weird. Like I I don't I mean like Florence of all games, like not not to knock at Florence or anything, but I'm I'm just wondering what the criteria were that made them choose these games in general. Like, was it just what uh, was like popular at the time? What was like what people know? Was Halloween or... Harry really that popular? <laughs> I've literally never fucking heard of that. Game. I have no yeah, I have so... no idea what that is. See, the, I, I don't know. Maybe they chose, like, really popular games and some that were, like, less noteworthy. Maybe they'll put Life of Black Tiger in there. I don't even know if that's uh, actually oh. par- developed in Australia. but Apparently, it was a pretty well-received re- re- game. It's was originally released as Halloween Harry, but it's actually, like, its name now is called Alien Carnage. And it was what? a side-scrolling platformer for, uh, what was this? Originally for Windows, for oh, it looks like DOS. So yeah, this was an old game. Damn. Yeah, I like how I type in Halloween Harry, and it's just like Alien Carnage. Yeah, that's what happened to me. I was like, the fu-? I was like, this isn't what I'd ask for, Google. <laughs> <laughs> I always love it when you go to Google something, and you're just like, I want to look up, uh, like you you look up like Halloween Harry, and it's like Halloween Harry Potter, and makes you choose it, and you're like, that's not what I wanted at all, and you try to go erase it, and then it just does it again. You're like, what the fuck, Google? Google, stop. I, I know what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on to our next news story. It is uh, over on Nintendo Life, written by Liam Doolin. I think this might actually be the same dude. It, it is. is. Uh, it is uh, Ori in the Blind Forest animates a bit smoother on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, whatever it takes seems to be the motto when porting certain titles across to the Switch. If you've... Jeez, I had a whole lot of spit in my mouth. Um, oh, yeah. If... <laughs> Everyone needed to know. Uh, if you've played a game on Nintendo's hybrid platform that has been released elsewhere, you'll probably be used to seeing some cuts here and there when it comes to performance and visuals. Ha! Freaking bloodstained. Um, if you expect this to also apply to Orin the Blind Forest, it doesn't. In response to a user over on Reset Era, uh, Moon Studios game director... Uh, Thomas Mahler explained how his team has been working with the current engine for a good 10 years now and the optimization that went into the sequel ended up in the Switch version of the first game. Keep in mind, uh, and I believe this is a quote, keep in mind that we've been working with our engine for a good 10 years and went through multiple releases and a sequel now. A lot of the optimization we did for or in the Will of the Wisps ended up in the the uh, Blind Forest version for the Switch, so that was a nice side effect. It gets even better, though, with Mahler revealing uh, how Ori's sprite animation 
uh, have actually been updated to 60 frames per second in the Nintendo release. Another thing people maybe don't notice immediately is that Ori's sprites were animated at 30 frames per second on Xbox PC or Xbox slash PC. But for Switch, we were actually able to update the animations to 60 frames per second due to all the optimization. So technically, Ori actually even animates a bit smoother on the Switch uh, than other platforms. If you're curious to see the game, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's just kind of an advertisement. Actually, that's letting you know that there is an Ori in the Blind Forest demo available on the eShop. So you guys can go check that out. But that's pretty cool. It's actually a game that runs better on the Switch than it does on other game- consoles. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cool, but like, how many years have passed since Ori and the Blind Forest actually came out? Um, I don't know. They said they've been working in the engine for 10 years. Yeah, so like, I I mean, this is awesome. Like, especially for people who haven't played it, like me. Four years, 2015. Yeah, 2015. Um... So it makes sense that like there would have been things, but obviously they didn't have to redo it either. Like this could have been a, an easy like, oh, let's just, you know, rip it and throw it into the Switch and just see how it goes. And if it sucks, then we'll just, you know, never patch it and tell people that we're going to. Um, but, you know, they didn't. They put a lot of work into this. And I think that's awesome, especially since this like isn't really something that Xbox like they didn't have to allow this like they didn't have to let that team do this since it's technically a flagship title um but i think it's really cool and i think it's interesting how much has gone into that it makes me a little bit uh more into the idea of getting it because i still have never played ori in the blind forest and apparently it's like amazing so i feel like i should jump on it but i don't know I have it on my Xbox One, and I've played a little bit of it, but not too much. But I do want to hop back into it before uh, Or in the Will of the Wisps comes out, because mm-hmm. it looks pretty fantastic. But, uh, yeah, I I think this is really cool. Um, and, yeah, like you said, it's, it's really nice that they, th- that they are, like, optimizing it when they really don't have to. Right. But in my mind, this is, like... I don't know. It's kind of a big deal that this is coming to the Nintendo Switch, and I feel like there's going to be a like a high degree of scrutiny mm-hmm. when it comes to or in the Blind Forest. So this is probably the best move. Let's say that they just moved it over and it worked the same, let alone if it worked worse. I think that people would be pretty annoyed about it. Mm. I mean, if it worked the same, I don't think they would i think they definitely would go crazy if there were issues with it but i feel like like i mean we were both surprised that this happened i feel like no one expected them to just be like oh by the way the switch is the optimal place to play this game like i think it makes sense that they had to do it because like especially for games that are platformers like you really can't mess around with having latency and like having it chug because the whole point is that you should be able to be pixel perfect with platformers so i think it makes sense that they put a little bit of extra oomph into it but i still don't think they needed to make it that that optimized or work that hard for it which once again is just it's awesome that we get it but i don't think we like anyone expected that yeah yeah uh, speaking of things people are not expecting, our last news I mean, stories, I'm pretty or, sure they are. It's definitely people are expecting yeah, it. It's I also mean, by the same person. 
<laughs> yeah, that is weird. I was like, all of these are Liam Doolin. Does nobody else write for Nintendo Life? Jesus. Uh, so, of course, Nintendo Life, written by Liam Doolin. And it is, King of Cards and Showdown will be the end of Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. I'm going to be honest, and this is going to sound mean. Uh-oh. No shit, dude. Yeah. That's literally, like, that's what they promised. Now it's going to end. Like, I, I, I... I get why this is news, but I also don't. Um, so, yeah. Shovel Knight's development cycle has been going for five years now, but soon it will come to an end. During an interview with GamesIndustry.biz, Yacht Club Games COO James Kahn clarified that once King of Cards and Showdown are made available later this year, that's it for Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. See, Okay, so the only reason that I think this is so weird that it's a news story is that it's kind of making it seem like not I'm not saying this news story specifically, but just that this has been kind of circulating mm-hmm. is to the layman, you could you could see this like without reading the Shovel Knight Treasure Trove section just will be the end of Shovel Knight. You right. could assume that Shovel Knight's just not going to have any more. But of course there's Shovel Knight Dig and I feel like they are going to separate and do something else for yeah. right now, but I feel like they'll eventually come back to Shovel Knight yeah. because it's it's kind of a big deal, and it's it's a big world. They built a lot into it, and they could go back to it. So I don't think this is the end of Shovel Knight. But uh, so this is a quote, King of Cards <laughs> and Showdown. Uh, see, it's they don't... It's so weird. They don't, like, say in certain places other than, like, in the same interview. So I feel like I have to say in a quote just to preface it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just so people aren't thinking that this person, I don't I know. I guess. It's I weird. just like the way you transitioned. <laughs> and this is a quote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, King of Cards and Showdown in the en- or is the end of our Kickstarter list. That's it. This will be the wrap-up. This will be the end of Shovel Knight Treasure Trove, and then it'll be pre-production on the next thing, which we're not quite sure what it is yet. We're going to end the five-year dev cycle, take a couple weeks off. Dude, I would take the work on fucking Shovel Knight. A couple of weeks. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, take a vacation, guys. It's (laughs) it's time. Take, like, a month off. Like, do do something else, because you've been working on Shovel Knight for a while, and... They had to have made a lot of money on this. so I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I feel like they would have made a lot more money if they didn't have so much in this. Like, I'm going to be honest. Like, I'm freaking glad that Treasure Trove is done because what a waste of their time in the concept of, like, they're just throwing just all this content for how long now that has literally got them, like, zero money in the sense of, like, it could have been just a separate game. Yeah, I mean... Uh, it's not necessarily zero money. It, it, so if you own the base game, you get the DLCs for free. Um, but it's, it, I mean, it's kind of different because they say like uh, every time a new DLC would probably come to Treasure Trove, they it probably increased traffic. People probably purchased Treasure Trove sure. just because of the new DLCs, especially because Plague Knight is super cool and everybody can eat my ass. Wow, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, by the time that Treasure Trove came out, you know, Plague Knight, uh, the Plague of Shadows DLC, I'm fairly certain, has already was already out. So, you know. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that was a weird. Tangent. Yeah, they're gonna end it with a couple weeks off, and then come back and say, "Okay, what are we gonna do?" Which, all right, 
<laughs> I mean, it's a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty scary thing to say in an interview for people like if you have investors. But I mean, I guess they're just like, yep, we'll we'll figure it out. Which whatever. Yeah, you gotta enjoy how direct it is. Yeah. Like he he's not he he says that they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna be in pre production for the next game, but we don't really know what it is yet. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah, you gotta love how candid. Uh, I I believe James Kahn is about Mm -hmm. this, so that's pretty nice. Uh, In the same interview, Kahn explained how the Switch would remain a key focus for Yacht Club moving forward and noted how a lot of Shovel Knight's success with the game, and it says shifting, but I'm going to assume it's supposed to be shipping? No, I think it's shifting. I think it's like a a shovel pun. (sighs) Maybe. Uh, The game shifting, 2.65 million units today. Yeah, I really like feel like it's meant to be shipping. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like it's trying to be a shovel pun. You're like shifting dirt around and stuff. I guess. I mean, maybe that makes sense. Uh, was thanked to Nintendo's platform. It was early. It was early that we benefited from people having nothing else to buy. We were lucky then, but we do still see the Switch. Is, uh, the, we do still see that the Switch is a really good platform for us. It's where gamers that speak our language are. It's English. definitely going to be... Yeah, yeah, this is English, even though it's made in Japan. Um, it's definitely going to be our main focus. The next Shovel Knight game... The next Shovel Knight will be appearing in Shovel Knight Dig, a spinoff uh, co-developed by Nitrome. Uh, Yacht Club is also focusing on publishing Cyber Shadow, a game by Mechanical Head Studios. So... You are, you've already kind of said your piece on this. You're pretty, you're, you're kind of stoked that this is done. Yep, I'm done with are it. You, do you want more Shovel Knight in the future? Or are you just done with Shovel Knight in general? Is it just like, just mm. the treasure trove? Only if they change something up like completely. I, like, I don't want, I don't want the same kind of like Mega Man 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 kind of deal with Shovel Knight. I'd want something completely different, which kind of, I mean, that's what I'm getting with Shovel Knight Dig. And I'm actually super excited for Shovel Knight Dig. From what I've seen, like, obviously it's very early in production and I'll have to wait and see more of how it changes up and develops. But I think that's going to be more up my alley than Shovel Knight even was beforehand. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes out of Yacht Club Games after Shovel Knight. And I hope they return to it. I actually... I don't know. I enjoy the formula that they've set down. I'm actually, I feel the exact opposite. I think that uh, Shovel Knight Dig is probably a departure that I'm not going to care much about. <laughs> yeah. Just because, like, okay, what is it? Like, I've heard, like, four different descriptions of what exactly Shovel Knight Dig is. Is it, I mean, like, a roguelike? Is it procedurally generated? Yeah, it's basically a roguelike where you're going down and you're actually digging through, and there's going to be different elements you're digging into that will change each time i don't know you know the full extent of it because it's still in production right now and it's still fairly early in so it's going to change but essentially it's going to be more of him actually digging through this smaller like context of going constantly downwards and into the abyss of more enemies so kind of like i guess down well but with more digging instead of just falling down and shooting things more uh different in the way that it's got shooty boots shooty boots yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i i don't know i'm excited for shovel knight dig i like the new art style i think it looks really really cool yeah um but it just 
I don't know. I liked the the kind of straightforward nature of Shovel Knight. I felt like I could get a lot better at that just by like smashing my head against the wall. But I'm just not good at games, mm. and I'm roguelikes. I'm especially not good at. I don't know. We'll see. Cause I, I mean, I have faith in the team that's working on it with them. Nitrome. They made uh, Bomb Chicken. I think it was called. Um, yeah, yeah, we talked about this one originally. Yeah, yeah. and I, I really liked that game. I think they did really good job, like a really good job with that. And they've been technically around for like a long time, but they've always done like weird web, like internet games back in the day. Um, I think this is a good avenue for them to start getting a little bit more popular, but I think that they can do good work and I trust their decisions. And also it's co-developed. So I feel like if the team behind Shovel Knight is still, you know, a good part of that, like they're not going to let them stray that far off from what makes Shovel Knight special. You know what I find kind of weird about Nitrome developing this is that like Bomb Chicken came out and it's actually gotten fairly good reviews. It's got very positive reviews on Steam. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time that this comes up, like this new Shovel Knight comes up, nobody knows who Nitrome is. I know. And I'm always they, so confused. They've like seemingly never heard of uh, Bomb Chicken. Mm-hmm. Like everybody brings up their past of making Flash games, but they never really talk about Bomb Chicken. And it came out in 2018. I don't know. I guess it was just under their radar. Yeah. I, like I always bring it up because of that, because I never hear a lot of people talking about it. And I feel like it's something that needs to be said because... It was a good game. I thought it was fun. Yeah, it looks really fun, and its art is fantastic. Yeah. It, I honestly, like, looking at this art, I think I want to buy Bomb Chicken. It's 15 bucks. It's a pretty good game. It's a pretty good game. It looks pretty good. Uh, speaking of pretty good games, it's about time we hop into news cram, Big Josh boy. Cram, 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 cram! Oh, it's so good to hear your voice again. Oh, thank so, you. So glad I didn't have to do it that time. Did you? Oh man, I can't wait to listen to it. I actually did. Yeah. Oh. I did it specifically for you. I'm super happy yeah. to listen to that tomorrow. It's not as good as yours are. I'm going to tell you that right That's now. Okay. It's it's much more toned down. It's not as enthusiastic. Oh, yeah, like cram, 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 like that. I don't think it was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> the other, I don't know why this made me think of it, but I often will make weird noises for no apparent reason, and I sometimes do it. And my wife will like look back and be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And so I've been uh, playing Untitled Goose Game a bit, and I keep reading like things and seeing the memes that are online, and I'm like, "Such a good game," but for some reason I was just like, "I'm gonna start honking." I don't even know why I brought this up, but I something sparked in my brain. And I kept <laughs> I kept making a honk, and I feel like if there was some way to incorporate the word cram with honk, but it, it just wouldn't sound as good, because then you wouldn't know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe we should cho- change it to, like, news honk. News honk. Honk! <laughs> All right, news honk is our weekly wrap-up segment where we, the host of Indie Incursion and Indie Games podcast, uh, honk you full of all sorts of Indie Games oh, news. Honk me, bad this boy. Week. <laughs> I like it, honk. See, I'm telling you, dude, this sounds way too much like boobs. I mean, this is too much. Are your bonkers? Are your honkers going bonkers right now? Because I can at feel this it. point, yeah. Oh yeah, it's like these honkers could cut glass. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, baby. <laughs> Uh, this week in News Honk, we have, I believe, one, two, three, four, five uh, different pieces of new stuff to talk about because we actually have no news. No no quick news stories, just a bunch of new stuff. Wow. So, 
Yeah, yeah, bunch of new stuff. Bunch of new. Uh, our first item in new stuff today is yet another awesome indie game getting a physical release. Pictures, right? Honk. <laughs> uh, as of this recording, you can pick up your very own copy of Tesla Grad. I believe is how you're supposed to say it. Yes. Is it Tesla Grad? I think okay, so. Okay, I've always said Tesla Grand for some reason mm. because I didn't realize that there wasn't an N. No, not quite. It's just a, it's just AD. No, no N in there. Uh, Tesla Grad physically on the Nintendo Switch, uh, both online and in stores for $29.99. For those looking to spend a little more money, you can pick up the value pack for $54.99, which additionally has some awesome goodies, including, uh, but not limited to, a tin case, which is a little weird. Because hmm. normally you shoot for steel cases, but this is a tin case. So, yeah. Uh, a pin keychain and more just in case your life hasn't yet become a terrifying hellscape developer bread comes into breadcrumbs interactive <laughs> is there to push you over the edge by bringing their newest title yaga to the nintendo switch yaga is an action rpg about a blacksmith with incredibly bad luck set in the world of creepy slavic folklore yaga will make its way to the switch eShop sometime in this november so I don't mean to offend anybody, but Slavic folklore is creepy as shit. <laughs> it looks weird. Like, just seeing this stuff from Yaga, I'm like, I'm, I know I'm not going to play this game once again. I'm scared of enough things in life. I don't need another one. Yeah. Some weird Krampus-looking motherfucker. This does look kind of strange. <laughs> yeah. Looks weird. Uh, from Steel Mantis, the team that brought you Slain back from hell, comes a new action platformer with heavy metal with a heavy metal soundtrack. Valfaris, I think I say <laughs> Valfaris, Valfaris. Uh, Valfaris is headed to PC and Nintendo Switch on October 10th with PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Come uh, following sometime in November as an added bonus. Merge Games, known for its physical publishing of indie games such as Dead Cells and Moonlighter, has stated that they will be releasing a physical copy of Valfaris sometime this year, according to Nintendo Life. Hmm. Uh, Europe, <laughs> European. I don't, I don't know why I can't say European. European, uh, European Indian incursion listeners, rejoice! Ah! I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to say it. Honk! You're, you're not European. Oh, you're in. Honk. You're in the long dick of the USA, dude. Long dong. Uh, <laughs> that's a good point. It's long dong of the USA. We don't want to offend anybody by saying it's a dick. It's true. It's not a dick. It's a dong. It's much better. <laughs> uh, there are currently a plethora of awesome indie games on sale through the Nintendo Switch eShop, including titles like Hollow Knight, Stardew Valley, and Celeste, among others. Uh, these deals will last until October 13th, so make sure you pick up some awesome indie games. Uh, and this one is the last Ooh. bit of new stuff we have for you today. Um, so, for all those fans of awesome music cute characters and puzzles out there felix the reaper is headed to nintendo switch and pc on october 17th so the biggest of average josh boys that's me we've been blessed with so many amazing indie game news stories today that i think it's about time we give back to the creators in our next segment god bless the crowd this is where the biggest of average josh boys hops into all sorts of different crowdfunding sites picks them out and we talk about them i'm I've got some things to say. Here we today. go. 
So, <laughs> this week we have two awesome mini games. We've got Necro Fugitive Escape Justice as an evil shapeshifter on the run from the law in this 2D uh, medieval action platformer. And Bound by Blades Cooperative Four Square Action RPG inspired by the Monster Hunter series. So, Necro Fugitive is asking for $25,000. That is their goal. They've got 27 days left to go and currently have three thousand six hundred twenty six dollars so this game looks interesting yeah, uh it it's does. pretty grotesque it's pretty weird he's got a weird arm <laughs> that could turn into like a whip and such mm-hmm. he's got no eyeballs which, Who needs them? yeah no nobody apparently nobody so what do you think about necrofugitive <laughs> well to kind of go over it um like they say, you're apparently an evil shapeshifter who's running from all of these different guards, uh, guard dogs, just a whole bunch of seemingly army men of some kind of medieval time. Uh, and you basically have these main attacks of like running, dodging, uh, a whip, this weird like ar- like mutant arm thing that you have. Um, but then you could turn into this just ginormous demon that obviously seems way overpowered um i think it looks pretty cool i think it reminds me a lot of like a weird kind of slower dead cells um it has the same kind of rolling mechanic to it i feel that it looks interesting but i don't know for how long um, a lot of what I'm watching from like the the different elements of it, most of the enemies seem pretty similar. I don't see a lot different than guy with a sword and guy with a bow. Uh, yeah, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of enemy variety. Yeah, which is a little upsetting. I think it's cool that they're adding this element of like night versus day, and there's going to be different things. And in that, they say there will be like different monsters that are out at night. I'm not really seeing. So far, I'm just seeing fucking knights, dude. It's just dudes with swords. Yeah, (laughs) so I don't really know. I guess that's more of where they're going is they want to add, you know, more creatures, more elements to it. But from what we have right now, like, this is a very bare-bones example of what they can do because it seems like they only have one uh, map, which is, like, this castle area and then an open fields, kind of grassy plain. Um, And I don't really know how much they're going to rely on the actual story of this and what's going to propel it as far as an engaging type of game. It just seems like a little bit more of the same right now to me. Um, but that being said, this is early on and it does have some interesting elements. I like the fact that you can transform that it, they go off of this concept that they're saying of fight and flight, fight or flight, which if you don't know, it's a very famous concept um of just basically do you want to run away or do you want to actually fight the thing and i I like that concept because hopefully they'll go more into that of like uh what they're saying there's going to be an immersive skill tree of you can be a stealth person and that's how you can play or you could be just i want to get in your face and destroy people and that's how you can play and i like games that give you that option because it gives you know a little bit of something for everybody but I'm still not seeing a lot of that right now, so I just I can't really judge it until I see more kind of a thing. Yeah, um, so like I just really enjoyed to do, I'm gonna talk about this trailer. So <laughs> Here we go. 
this trailer includes very little actual platforming. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Honestly, seeing this trailer makes it seem like an endless runner. I'm not even joking. Like everything for this game really just makes it seem like an endless runner. Yeah. You see like very little I, I wouldn't say you see very little combat, but you see very little platforming in general. Yeah. The the combat itself looks kind of interesting. Um I do like the the transformation into what they call the slaughter demon. <laughs> I think that's really, really cool. Uh <laughs> and I like the additional abilities of being able to summon smaller demons and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's really cool. <clears throat> I don't know how you do that being a shapeshifter yourself, summoning like little demons i guess Shape I don't, shifting summoner it can happen maybe he cuts off a toenail and maybe. it transforms you know yeah. but uh he, yeah the already enemy missing variety. eyes maybe one of them has those eyes you know ah yeah the the enemy variety does not does not look robust it looks i don't know it, it looks kind of one note but like you said it's it seems very early on but at this very mm-hmm. moment it just seems like this guy has big sword this guy has small sword, and this guy has two swords. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's I okay. That's interesting. And um, dogs. So, yeah, there are there are dogs, and there are bounty hunters, which I actually think is really really cool. Yeah, you, they're like seemingly random encounters where you run into bounty hunters that are obviously much more skilled than the standard enemies. I think that is really cool. Um, this game seems to have a decent amount of promise. I just. I don't know. There's things like the uh, the Kickstarter exclusive skins as a perk, which is basically just like, hey, look at these two skins. There's the Bog Horde and the Invaders. They're mm-hmm. literally just different colors. Yeah. <laughs> one is green and one is blue. That's it. And yeah. he says like a new coat of paint. That's literally what it is. <laughs> I mean, maybe you really want to play as a guy who's black and blue. I mean, I guess. There's just... His Kickstarter is kind of weird. It's, <laughs> I don't know. It, it kind of lacks a lot of like information in a way. And like, it, it tells you a little bit about the story, which is kind of interesting that you are like this, this kind of like alchemist who uh, was doing experiments and an experiment went wrong and now you can shapeshift, but for some reason you became murderous afterwards. Uh, it happens. I, I, I don't really know. It's just, it's kind of weird. The whole concept is weird, and the fact that, like, there's so little platforming seen within this Kickstarter is odd, yeah. considering it's one of the main two, like, Their description, I, I don't know. Like, words there it, up at the top, like, a 2D yeah. action platformer. This honestly just looks like freaking Mario Run meets, like, an endless warfare simulator <laughs> like Maybe. like those old like spartacus games where you just walk to the side and constantly be kicking ass and throwing spears and shit like I mean, that's Maybe. that's what this looks like some people might be into it i guess you know and if you're this uh this is your game i guess yeah you can pick it up for 15 dollars. i would say this game looks like i i don't know if they show more and there's more platforming and there's more enemy variety i would say this game is kind of interesting and i yeah. i think it would be worth 15 you'd probably get a decent amount of it out of it yeah i like think a decent amount of fun i think that's it's what we go into where like you know some of these kickstarters are more of a gamble than others is 
what I'm seeing right now, I think it definitely does have potential. And $15 isn't like a lot in the grand scheme of things when you're talking about Kickstarters or just in general. Like, like I said, it's, you know, it's, it's like a movie ticket plus, you know, the popcorn and whatnot, since popcorn is like fucking $6 for some reason. Um, but <laughs> I just went to a movie theater, so I'm just very upset about these prices. You're still salty about it? You're I just mean, like fucking popcorn. Not even, yeah, I mean, so it's too much salt on that popcorn. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think this has potential. I think it's definitely one that could be worth it. Um, I feel like it would be fun. Like I said, it, it looks, it reminds me of just like a slower, like more souls, like kind of clunkier feeling to it of a Dead Cells. And adding in the shape-shifting, adding in, you know, having those different abilities that you could put into. Like, I think there's a lot of room for this to grow and for this to be a good game. And some people will say, you know, that's what I'm looking for. I'm willing to spend the $15. Others, maybe not, but it is a gamble. Uh, I think it could be worth it, but I think it's it's hard to tell at this stage. It's fairly early on. Yeah, I honestly, my biggest criticism of this is just that it looks kind of blah. Mm-hmm. Like the, mm-hmm. like the the set pieces don't look that interesting. It's just like a bunch of brick mm-hmm. or just like a boring field somewhere. And I and I hope like I think in their breakdown they actually say that they're going to use it toward like art uh, among other things. Nope, they, I don't even think they have a breakdown. Maybe I'm thinking of something else, but. <laughs> I I hope they do. If they end up reaching their goal, I hope they do. The coolest uh like background that I've seen is the forest right. that they have yeah, yeah, and yeah. even then it just kind of looks like I don't know, you're running on a treadmill. It kind of just looks like the same trees <laughs> over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like the the same background, but that's probably the only interesting one. All the rest of them just kind of look like blah environments. Yeah. That's just Otherwise, some some additional like enemy archetypes and like just I I don't know more detailed and more varied backgrounds. It it this game would remind me a lot of Blasphemous or like you said Dead Cells, and I think that's actually got a lot going for it, considering yeah. those are pretty big games right now. People, so people like them, so there's uh there's room for it to be great. We'll just we'll have to see where it goes. Yeah, there's also room for it to be disgusting with its gross flesh whip. But time to move on to the other game we have in God Bless the Crowd. It is called Bound by Blades, a monster hunting action RPG. Bound by Blades is a cooperative four square action RPG inspired by the Monster Hunter series. They are currently asking for $30,000. Now, I was going to say three for something (laughs) for some reason. It is $30,000 is their goal. They currently have $5,336 and they've got 26 days left to go so this game's got a cute cat in it, it i'm does. i i'm into that but i'm gonna be honest Uh-oh. i Uh-oh. dude once again just marketing of your game i the trailer shows basically nothing like it shows gameplay but how does gameplay work i don't understand like even even when you go down to the combat section it doesn't really say a whole lot uh controls are built to be comfortable and intuitive for all control schemes play with a controller keyboard and or mouse yeah cool that's that's fun and then uh bound by blades is made (laughs) for players of all calibers and is meant to allow any adventure to embark on this challenging journey the combat system is vast and allowing a variety of attacks such as quick attacks charge attacks combos and unique combos finishers um and 
so yeah the monsters got special attacks okay i just want to know how your combat works Mm -hmm. because at this very point it just kind of like i don't understand it 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 just looks weird like do you get it yeah do you know what's going on yeah it just looks it looks strange because there's not a lot of games that have this kind of mentality i guess but essentially there's four squares that you can stand on you're always when whenever you want to dodge something you can either stand on that square and do a quick dodge attack you could also apparently shield against it and it looks like if you shield at the right time it'll bounce it back at the enemy it looks like you're always targeting the middle like the thing in the middle which i guess is always going to be the boss i don't know there was one where it had enemies on the spaces that you were on so i guess you have to attack into them um, but basically, every time you're attacking, you're it, it just looks weird because you're not actually hitting the guy, but you are. It's like you're fighting the air, but it will hit the enemy. Um, and so your main space to be on is those four circles on each corner of the rectangle. And you can either dodge or run through to the next area based on how you want to play the game. I think it like it's a little confusing on... At, like at first glance, but I, I think it would get very simple um, once you actually have it in front of you. It's like you basically just move to top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right, and while you're doing that, you're going to be clicking a button over and over again to attack the enemy and then shield anytime they throw something at you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I kind of wish they had written that out somewhere like in their in their literally in their gameplay like combat section Mm -hmm. that would have made a lot more sense or like had it included in the trailer because otherwise it's just gameplay without context and you're just like i don't know how this works though yeah it's like that's it's a little confusing at first glance i mean you i could always play the demo and that would probably make more sense that's also uh, true yeah, I, it, that always could happen. I actually like a lot about the world of this game. I like the cat. I think he looks kind of cool. Um, <laughs> other than he has like a man bun. That's a little weird to me. <laughs> but uh, the the Monster Hunter elements, though, is it, how it's inspired by Monster Hunter. It seems like the only thing that's at all like Monster Hunter in this is that like you kill enemies, take their parts, and make new armor. Yeah. I mean, which is it's a pretty key part like, to it. I mean, it does look like you're fighting monsters. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're literally hunting monsters. So there's that. I just, I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I, I, this game is probably, it's just not for me. I feel like that's yeah. why it's not clicking is because it just wouldn't be something I'd play. Um, but hey, make sure you guys check it out if this sounds interesting. Uh, you have four square battles, which. I don't know. That's yeah. weird to me. I do think it's cool that they're saying they're potentially thinking about putting in a co-op mode, which I think would be interesting to have two people. Like, I think it would be way too chaotic having two people run through here and trying to do it, but it would be fun. Um, but I, 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 I kind of right there with you is like, I don't feel like this is for me. It The art style to it really isn't doing it for me. It looks very, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but very mobile game to it. Um, I mean, there. I guess there, it, that does make sense considering it is coming to iOS, Android, yeah, and Windows. And I generally don't like a lot of those type of games, and it has very similar elements to it. Um, 
so I, I just don't think this would be for me. I also, I'm generally not a boss rush type of person. Like that's not the type of gameplay I like. Cause I feel like, I mean, I guess there might be more story to it, but it just doesn't really click well with me when it's just like always fight a big monster, fight a big monster. And that's pretty much it. But that being said, there's a lot of people who like it. So this might be something for you. And I think the starting point is pretty reasonable. It's yeah, you can it's like seven bucks. Yeah, it's seven bucks on the mobile version, and then for the PC version, it's fifteen dollars. So it's pretty good if you're more into mobile games because you can get it for just seven bucks. Yeah, that is pretty nice, and it seems like it would be a decent enough mobile game. I just couldn't see people playing this like on the Nintendo Switch or on PC for some reason. It just it looks like a mobile game, yeah. like you said. So, yeah, I don't I mean, it's not to say that like they can't be played on those other elements, but yeah, I feel like this would definitely be more optimized for a phone. I don't know, it just looks like it would be, but maybe not. I don't know. I suppose it could work either way. Yeah, I also really like, and they have a, the, it's not actually in the game, which I really, really wish it is, or wish it was, but I really like the kind of watercolor drawings or paintings that they have on their Kickstarter in the, like, Merchant District section. It reminds me of an anime called uh, Grimgar Fantasy in Ash, or Ashes and Illusions, depending on, I think technically the anime is called Ashes and Illusions, hmm. but the, the manga is called Fantasy in Ash. So, yeah, it just looks really, really cool. They have, like, the different merchants and stuff, the enchanter, the blacksmith, the actual merchant who's, like, a little toad guy. I think the world itself looks really, really cool, but I it just, I, I don't know, it just doesn't look interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, the world looks interesting, but the gameplay, like, your your actual gameplay loop just does not look interesting at all. Yeah. I guess. I mean. I, I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. Plus, it says it has light story, so I'm not really into that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it definitely looks like it's more of just a, we're going to give you a bunch of enemies to face, and you just do boss rushes of them. Yeah, I feel like that's why it would work so well as a mobile game, Mm -hmm. is because, like, that's just you could hop in kill a couple like you you could fight a dude for a little while and then hop out and i feel like it wouldn't be something that you invest a whole lot of time to which i guess is kind of like i i don't know why i'm i'm thinking that on the nintendo switch and pc you wouldn't like just hop in and hop out because a lot of people like that on the nintendo switch Mm -hmm. but uh yeah it just seems really well suited for the mobile tier so if you guys think that sounds cool buy that seven dollar version you can get it on mobile and that'll be pretty cool for you guys because this looks perfect for mobile. So this week we do not have any random questions, Whew, but we, made we it. yeah yeah we're kind of already at an hour and a half, so we might as well just end it. All you know, right. just just pop off. It sounds good to me. <laughs> Popping I guess. off. I don't know what that means, really. I, mean, I just said it. I hear it a lot when people are, like, playing well in games, so it's kind of a weird... They're popping off? Yeah, like, I'm popping off. You know? I've also I I don't know I feel like I've heard it uh, when people say they popped off like they just like flew into a fit of rage. Mm. So not quite the same for us, I guess. And yeah, yeah, def- I mean, hopefully not. I, mean, I hope you don't get off here and you just like punch it through walls <laughs> and shit, like the Hulk. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you know you gotta punch something. That's a good point. 
That's a good point. Uh, that's it for this episode of Indie Incursion and Indie Games Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Of course, you could chat with us outside the show. Uh, on Twitter, at IndiePod is for the podcast itself. You can follow me at Hyde Legion. That's Hyde with a Y, by the way, not an I. And you can follow Josh at the underscore George 90. He will, in fact be living up to his promise that he totally made not under duress that he's going to change his name. I will I, not. He, he said it again, guys. I, I, before we started recording, before we clicked record, he said it, dude. No, I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not a liar. <laughs> I have not said multiple times on the podcast that I lie what a lot. a damn liar. I will never <laughs> change my name. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Bye, guys.